0: It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Welcome to this special relaunch of IHSA's Winter Driving Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Rayner. Our reason for relaunching this particular podcast episode is twofold. One, the guidance, tips, and information shared by IHSA's Michelle Roberts remain as important of a contributor to a season of safe winter driving as it did when we launched it in the fall of 2021. Second, this podcast has been one of our most listened to podcasts, as it's applicable whether you drive for work or you drive for pleasure. So very happy to once again, welcome back to the IHSA Safety Podcast, Michelle Roberts. Michelle, in this podcast, you categorize your guidance into the four P's. What are the four P's?
1: Thanks for having me back, Ken. Pleasure to be here and continue to share our road safety tips. Yeah, from a category standpoint, if we can remember the four P's, as you said, first one being preparation, And high level, what we mean there is prepare your workplace now with a policy and procedure, training your workers, preparing your vehicles. Uh, planning, in particular, route planning. So know where you're going and use key planning tools like the Ontario 511 app. And for patience, uh, you need to be very patient in the winter road conditions. So that means really adjusting your driving speed, expect delays and expect longer drive times. And then the fourth one is practice. And what we mean here is apply defensive driving techniques and practice safe driving.
0: All right. Thanks, Michelle. So if you find the information shared in this podcast of value, please consider sharing it with your family and friends as applying Michelle's guidance will help us all appreciate a winter of safe driving. Enjoy this relaunch of our winter driving podcast as Michelle begins with the first of the four P's, preparation.
1: Let's start with the first P, which is preparation. And and knowing that so many of us drive for work um, portion of our workforce, either maybe using their own vehicles for work or company vehicle um, for purposes. It's important that we prepare the workplace for the driving tasks and knowing that winter driving is different than summer driving. So we always like to start with the foundations of making sure you've got some clear policies and procedures in place. So prepare the workplace by, if you don't have a winter driving policy, then uh, create one or review it with your team, right? And you're, Staff. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be a short statement. Uh, it could complement um, road safety policies or a health and safety policy that you already have in place. And the policy itself is really going to be outlining the commitment that everybody wants to <clears throat> have workers safe at all times, including win- winter driving lay out some of the responsibilities of the employer, the supervisor, the joint health and safety committee and if there's any you know provincial legislations that need to be followed like the highway traffic act could be noted in your policy and then certainly the reminders of the need you know to to operate your vehicle safely and drive accordingly to the conditions so that's really like the foundation of preparing is is the policy and then you would also have a procedure so typically a procedure is where we lay out the kind of steps and the the actions to take to operate safely and and that would start with like pre-trip right so look making sure that you're looking at the route where are you going um is your vehicle equipped that type of stuff one of the things that we w- would like to encourage in that pre-trip assessment is is there a different means of transportation if it's unsafe for you to drive? Is public transit an opportunity, right, to avoid um, you driving yourself? And then looking at some of that pre-trip would be, you know, is there a different route I can take, do I, can I drive at a different time? We know that there's peak road times, you know, with rush hour traffic, can that be avoided? Um, preference to drive during the day versus nighttime driving, certainly when we know that there could be some winter conditions. And also part of that procedure is establishing, like, what's the expectation for your drivers and your staff to do check-ins, where they're going and what's their ETA? So many times we drive alone. So that's like a working alone procedure or policy to go with that. And establishing communication, because that's important. When they're out on the road and, you know, if you're back at the office and you're not sure where they're at, that communication is certainly important. And also part of the preparation piece is making sure that uh, employers are, you know, reviewing what might be needed for the drivers when it comes to PPE. And, you know, minimum, we want drivers to have like high-vis vests in case something happens. They could be, you know, putting that vest on as they get out of their vehicle and, and increase the likelihood of them being seen. And then one of the other pieces about preparing is preparing the vehicles that your staff are using or preparing your own vehicle if you're driving your own vehicle. And some of those tips are pretty straightforward, right? We want to almost book in for get a winter maintenance, you know, to make sure, check up that the vehicle's in tip-top shape. You want to make sure you pull out your snow scraper, your ice brush, all that kind of, or your snow brush, your ice scraper, um, topping up your windshield washer fluid with the, you know, the winter fluid that's better for minus 40 degrees. That's better, different than the summer fluid. Some things like making sure you've always got fuel in your gas tank. One of the best practices is probably having, trying to run on full, keep it topped up. Um, So checking off those things with regards to your vehicle. And then really important is snow tires. And is it an option for you to put snow tires on your vehicle? And one of the things that you should check out if you're using your personal vehicle with snow tires is maybe your insurance company offers a discount. For snow tires, it's getting a lot more popular. I know my plan does. If I submit that in, then they'll give me a discount off my seasonal driving. So that's always a bonus. And then really one of the key things you want to have extra in the vehicle is windshield washer fluid. We know that when it's snowy and icy and sleety and you're constantly clearing your windshield, you're going to go through a lot of fluid. And that's important to be visible and to see the hazards right through your windscreen. Um, what else in the prepare section? Okay, so we want to also prepare the workers, right? So um, making sure that the workers themselves are have a kit, you know, to carry with them in the in the truck or, if, or a vehicle or if yourself have a little checklist and that's like extra blanket or a flashlight and a, your cell phone is charged, a bottle of water, some non-perishable goods just in case. And then also a couple other things you can put in your vehicle kit. Uh, it's pretty common to have... Uh, You can buy those winter kits that come with the extra cables and maybe they've got um, a shovel, you know, and some traction material, um, mats or sand. Some people carry kitty litter, you know, as a way to help with traction if you get stuck. And as we mentioned, making sure you've got like high visibility vests so that if something happens and you're outside of your vehicle, you can at least put that on and be seen. And another thing under the prepare is, you know, you really have to make sure staff are comfortable or yourself as a driver are comfortable and actually driving in snowy and icy conditions. And I don't know about you, Ken, but for myself, you know, with the COVID restrictions, I've done a lot of working from home. So my driving has been pretty short distance. I haven't gone a lot of the long routes that I would have been on before. So it's going to take an adjustment. It's going to take time for me to Remember how my vehicle feels in snowy conditions, icy surfaces, stopping distance, adjusting my speed. So it's making sure we review some of that with our staff. And are they comfortable? And, you know, what happens when you hit the brakes and you're on ice? How does your vehicle operate? And then certainly you want to be prepared with an emergency plan like the what-if scenario. Unfortunately, if you get stuck or stranded, you know, we recommend you don't panic. Stay with your vehicle if you can so that you can obviously have shelter and you're protected in your vehicle. Uh, Have some warmth. Use your cell phone. Call 911. But another thing to be prepared with is roadside assistance plan. That's pretty common. Many new vehicles come with a roadside assistance plan. But if you don't have one with a, a new vehicle lease or or what have you is a lot of companies you can get the CAA and the external packages, so that 's part of that preparation phase
0: okay so i 'm i 'm pretty concerned that i haven 't done much uh, so far to prepare and i better get I better get uh, my vehicle ready because you just went through an extensive laundry list of all these things that we can do. To keep ourselves safe, and I can tell you that I haven't done a lot of them, so I've got I've got some work to do before the the snow flies. Um, and, and so you said there's preparation, and then there's planning. What's the difference between preparation and planning?
1: Well, the preparation piece would be getting you all prepared before you actually need to drive before you need to go out in the wintry conditions when it's planning is more about, okay, I know I need to drive and I need to go and winter's upon, upon us. So what can I do differently now that I've got to take this trip? Right. And it, and it's going to be poor weather conditions. So those are things that you'd go through is like, I need to drive. I have to drive. I've already, you know, I, there's no alternative route. There's no, there's no out, out for it. So now I need to plan ahead. Meaning, What time am I gonna arrive? Maybe I need to put a buffer on my arrival time so that it gives me a window to make sure that I can drive slower, I can adjust my speed. Um, Making sure I plan where's my route and where are some of the stopping points. Perhaps I wanna take more breaks when the weather isn't great and the conditions change. Where would they be along my route? So that's planning your route, basically looking at those options. One of the best things I can recommend here, if you haven't checked it out yet, it's a great planning tool, is the MTO's 511 app. So it's an app you can put on your mobile device, but you can also look at it on a desktop. And it's a total pre trip planning tool. So what it allows you to do is access live video camera feeds there's i think they have over 500 cameras that are on the ontario highways the 400 series and you can you know dial in based on your route click on that camera and actually see what the road and the weather conditions are look look like and it's live up to date so that's a great way to plan You can look ahead, can I go for two hours? What's the conditions look like two hours, you know, down the road or 200 kilometers down the road. Um, The other cool thing with the 511 app is you can actually, they have a feature called Track My Plow. So you can plan your route, knowing your destination and actually map it out to see where is the plow on my normal route, has the roads been cleared? That's an important piece because then you you feel safe. Have they been sanded, salted? They changed the color category. But you can also see is there am I gonna you know, fall be following a plow along the route? And then um the other part of planning that's important, as I said, is particularly if you're driving for work, long haul drivers, commercial drivers, is knowing where there is rest stops so that if you you know, you can make those stops safely and get to a destination without getting stranded somewhere. So that's, I would say the difference between planning is, you know, you got to go. And what are the things you can do to make that trip safer?
0: What just came to mind for me was uh, I don't leave myself enough buffer time. And I know that's a, um, that's a challenge and something I've got to improve on this winter. So if I know it's going to snow and normally my route might take me 45 minutes, then maybe I need to leave with an hour and 15 minutes in mind. Um, Because I think that for me, at least, as a driver, that rolls really nicely into the next segment, which is patience. Because if I don't leave myself enough of a buffer, if I'm not checking those highways, then what, what do I start to do? Well, maybe I start to change lanes more frequently because I'm like, wow, the right lane's moving faster. The left lane's moving faster. And I'm not considering those other driving conditions where what's the, you know, if I'm going to cut out in front of another lane or or not cut out, but if I'm going to make a lane change, uh, safely via the highway traffic act, I just like to state that (laughs) in case anybody from the OPP is listening. (laughs) Sorry, doc. Sorry, Carrie Schmidt. Um, I don't do things illegally, but the, uh, so I'm making a lane change, but, but I'm not also considering the fact that maybe the braking speed, the braking distance has now changed because of the conditions of the road. And so now am I creating a hazard by doing that? And I'm doing it because I'm running out of patience because I think I'm going to be late because I didn't give myself enough buffer. So I can understand how this can, pardon the pun, snowball into yep. a real uh, a real issue if you're not doing those first two things correctly. So let's let's talk about patience because that may be – You know, one of the harder things when you get into that, you know, you get behind the wheel, you're on your steering wheel, you know, behind your steering wheel and you're you're starting to get antsy and you're starting to get Mm -hmm. frustrated and you're losing patience. What are some of those things you can do to help negate that?
1: Yeah, like you said, Ken, like patience is probably the hardest thing. That's for me when you said, what do I find the most difficult about winter driving? It's that patience piece. And we need it even more so now with winter driving because we know that collisions, right? Winter collisions primarily are a result of excessive speed right? So where we lose control of our vehicle, we're driving too fast. So why are we driving too fast? Well, like you said, maybe I didn't give myself enough time um, to get to my destination, knowing now that the traffic is, you know, behind or backed up, or the roads are slippery. And so you're still pushing your car to go faster than you should, or your your truck, to go faster than you should in the conditions that are are presented. So um, excessive speed following too close, um, are Leading causes of collision, and that's all about patience, right? If you're tailgating someone, you're following too close. You're not being patient. You're not giving them suitable space, and you need that space between you and the vehicle ahead of you to brake safely. Um, and that's one of the factors when we when we talk a little bit more about the the practice piece. It's the practice of defensive driving, and you know the patience comes in knowing that a posted speed limit is really posted for the maximum in ideal road conditions. It doesn't, it's not going to be the same speed when there's snow and ice or ice or black ice or you're behind like a snowplow. You have to expect and be patient that the, the traffic flow is gonna slow down. Um, so that's important part of being pa- a patient driver, being able to respond and adjust your speed And knowing that even though it says 80 kilometers, you know, maybe the safe travel speed is is more like 60. So giving yourself more time, also giving, as we said, giving yourself more of that stopping distance. So typically, you know, we say if you're following another vehicle, Give yourself at least four seconds between you and the vehicle ahead of you, which is normal braking distance. You have that time to react and apply the brakes. But in winter conditions, you may want to increase that space, you know, to 10 seconds or even 12 seconds. And then if you are like a commercial vehicle and you've got a heavy load that you're um, towing behind you in a trailer, you need even greater space between you because you're going to have a way longer stopping distance. So that's important. As you said, we need to give ourselves a lot of time. We can't be rushed in winter driving. Um, If we can, we want to plan to maybe, you know, alter the it stops, right? So instead of doing a long trip, maybe we break it up a bit so that it gives us a fresher mind to focus on the road. Um, Letting someone else know where you're going to be and when you're going to be there, that's also part of that planning, but it also ties into the patience so people can help that if you are delayed. I'm coming today, my meeting's supposed to be at nine, but I'm, you know, experiencing bad weather in my area. So be patient because I'm not going to push it to be there at nine, you know, if I'm going to encounter bad weather. And then certainly we need to be patient and knowing that we might have to adjust. For example, what my typical route is, I'm used to cruising down on the highway. Now there's a road closure up ahead and I have to take a detour. And you need to be patient through those delays as well. Um, Most of the time those delays are there because something tragic maybe have happened or the conditions up ahead aren't, aren't safe for us to drive. So being in that right frame of mind um, so that we don't get aggravated and then push the speed and push um, following too close, right? Because those are all um, contributing factors to, to collisions in the winter. I would say, bottom line, plan for more time. <laughs> it's going to take you longer, right? So
0: Yeah, for sure. So, Michelle, you talked earlier about about practicing. And so I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm thinking, well, I've had my driver's license for 35 years. I've had some good practice. But you bring up a really important point. In that I have in the past, you know, uh, 20 months or so been driving less in those 50, you you know, in those 35 years than than ever before. Just because we're, you know, many times we're being, you know, there's you're working from home or you're not going out as much or you're, you know. So we're not maybe maybe there's drivers on the road that are not as ready for this winter driving as they have been in the past. And it may be something that they're not even considering because they've had their license for a long time. It's like, well, I've driven through lots of winters. How is this one going to be any different? And it could be very different because we haven't been on the road nearly as much.
1: you know, just regular road conditions when you return to driving, right? You've got, you're sharing the road with large vehicles and, you know, being familiar with how, They operate the blind spots on different vehicles, and then you add in the factor of winter with snow, whiteout conditions, and it is increased risk. And the practice piece that we want to remind everybody is the practice of safe, defensive. Driving right, and a true professional driver, you know, someone who cares for others, is always going to, you know, be looking out and almost reacting in anticipation of other drivers. So you always want to be on the defensive when you're driving. And some of the the common things a defensive driver would you would to demonstrate defensive driving is firstly slow down, right? We want you to. Um, Adjust your speed because many of those collisions occur when we're driving too fast for the road conditions. As we said before, we want to give ourselves extra speed, or sorry, space. We want to give ourselves extra space between you and the vehicle ahead of you. Um, so again, dropping below the speed limit, backing away from the vehicle ahead and the road surface itself right you got to pay attention as a defensive driver you're constantly scanning you're looking ahead but you're looking for cues that maybe the conditions are changing so um you know wet looking surfaces assume that there's going to be black ice right which is going to be um dangerous for you knowing when you are maybe going under bridges Underpasses or in shaded areas, those road conditions there are probably going to be—they're going to freeze up faster than those that are exposed. So if you're traveling along the highway and then you get underneath a sheltered underpass, that section of the underpass could be icy. Um, So knowing and being prepared for that, defensive driver is certainly going to remove distractions from the vehicle. Right. So as much as a cell phone is a great emergency device to have, you need to put it on do not disturb mode, put it in drive mode so that it's not a distraction for you because you definitely want to focus your attention on the task of driving. And a couple other things is you can look for tips that the conditions outside might be changing. Whether you start to get ice built up on your vehicle, like on the hood or whatever, then chances are you're probably going to get ice build up, slush on the road um, and you know in between lanes when they're, you know, all of those, affect the traction and the control of your vehicle and then adjusting not only your speed but Perhaps how you handle your vehicle. So if you're going into turns, you want to steer gently, not abruptly. You don't want to hard brake if there's, you know, icy or wet, snowy conditions. Um, you want to avoid like fast acceleration. We call that the hard braking or the, the abrupt acceleration because that affects the control of, of, the ve- of the vehicle itself. And again, can't emphasize enough: go slow, adjust your speed to the to the conditions. Another tip for defensive driving is avoiding the use of cruise control. And sometimes people think that's a great thing, especially if, it, if I put it on cruise control, I'm less likely to speed, right? Because I'll, I'll slow my conditions down. But you want to avoid that, particularly if there's snow or ice on the pavement, because it reduces your reaction time, right? And we have that defensive driving co- collision avoidance kind of a scenario where you have the perception and then a reaction time. And then the, the the vehicle takes you know puts on the brakes or as you apply the brakes. So, cruise control kind of delays that response time, and therefore uh, could increase your um, likelihood of a collision. And also, we want to a key point with a defensive driver is sharing the road with the other vehicles. So, when we say that, particularly in the winter, the the one thing we definitely need to be aware of and watch out for is the snow plows or like the highway maintenance trucks that are the salt or the, the sand or the gritter right so they're out there and we need to be aware of those and we also need to adjust how we drive around those that's really important um, you know we don't want to pass snow plows that's something we want to avoid um, we want to make sure that we give them lots of space so that we're not following too close. They make a lot of wide turns. The blade of the snowplow itself can um, go out, you know, into the off, off the road onto the shoulder. So we gotta be aware of that type of stuff. And then the other point about the defensive driving is emergency vehicles. So if there's been a collision, There's probably going to be fire, ambulance, tow truck, police at the scene, and we are responsible as well as drivers to, you know, slow down and move over. That's what the the name of the legislation is. Adjust our speed if we see vehicles with flashing lights so that we're not putting that roadside situation at an increased risk. Give them lots of space if you can, and it's safe to do so. They want you to reduce your speed, but also move over to the next lane to give them more space. So those are some of the tips like you would see as a defensive driver, putting that lens on when we think of winter driving.
0: So I know (laughs) just sitting here shaking my head going, boy, did I have it wrong in the past? Because now I understand when I get on the highway and I see snowplows ahead of me and I get upset going, oh, great snowplow, slowing me down even further. If I had planned ahead and given myself enough of a buffer, then maybe my reaction would be as I get on the highway going, oh, the the snow plows are out. Fantastic. They're going to be clearing the road. It's going to be that much safer. But typically it's not my reaction because I haven't planned ahead. And so yeah. I, it, 100%, it's important to give those snow plows room to do their job. They're spreading sand, salt from the truck, they're plowing, they may need to stop, perhaps drive drive around a stranded or, or abandoned car. Um, is there anything else that you'd want our listeners to, to sort of consider? Is there, you know, considering sharing the road with a snowplow?
1: Yeah, a couple other things there is, as you said, is it's changing your mindset, like the snowplow is doing a job for our safety and it's probably safer for you to be behind the snowplow because at least they're clearing that part of the road and whether they've applied the salt and the sand, but it's, you know, safer to be behind. As I said, don't try to pass because they have very big blind spots. They are wider than a normal vehicle. So it could push you if as you go to pass into, you know, the, the opposing lane more than you would like to be. Um, as we said, they make wide turns, so you got to be aware of their clearance. You had noted, you know, they can see the path ahead of them much clearer. If you're really close to the back of a snowplow, your field of vision is going to be um, blocked, and they may have to abruptly pull out to get around, like you said, a stranded vehicle or an obstacle. You know, like they got to move around with the plows; it extends so far out that they got to have good clearance there. And then the other thing you you mentioned is what I call the convoy of the snowplows. So if you think of the 400 series, they tend to go out in a in a grouping, right? Three or four of them along each lane, staggered a little bit. So they're pushing and collecting, pushing and collecting. And definitely we wanna give them the space. They're out there to do a, a job and a service for the rest of us and allow them to get, you know, through the task sooner than later, um, avoid creating hazards for them by like, you know, passing them erratically and stuff. And then, one of the other things about a snow plow is they when if it's light fresh snow, that's that powdery kind of white effect, so they'll be pushing up off that dust of snow, which can create that whiteout condition, right? So then your actual ability to see the road or ahead of you or beside you could be totally blocked. So that's certainly something you gotta be careful of. And then knowing that as you're behind or beside a snowplow, the driver themselves of the snowplow has a lot of blind spots. Right? Because of the vehicle, the extra blade, how far out it goes. So you need to be aware. And as a defensive driver, you're, you shouldn't put yourself into a vehicle's blind spot because it will put you at risk ultimately. So those are some extra tips um, with regards to sharing the road with the snow plows. Let them do their job. Be patient. As he said earlier, use the 511 app track my snowplow that will also help you route plan uh to know if it's been cleared or if you're gonna if they're potentially on schedule to be on that route
0: michelle you were mentioning abandoned cars stranded cars um, obviously very scary if you go off the road. Um, you may remember we had an incident uh, uh, a couple years ago that we sort of were both involved in that I had come across a car that had um, that was off to the side, and it ended up being a woman trapped in the car with her baby, um, and it, she had gone off the road in a blizzard and obviously was extremely uh, upset, and, and uh, thankfully neither one of them was, were hurt. But it, it does happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, any tips in the event that something happens and you do go off the road um, in your car in in a winter storm and you're stranded? Is there some things that you can do to make sure that uh, you're you're going to be safe uh, until until the uh, first responders can can arrive at the scene?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's one thing. Like we might find ourselves suddenly stuck, right? Because a blizzard, for example, those whiteout conditions can happen very fast. So. Um, one of the things is if you either find yourself stranded or you've pulled off the side of the road because ideally you don't want to continue driving because it's so bad, um, don't leave the car. If you can avoid leaving the car, one of the, the, the best recommendations is to stay in the car. At least you're, prote- you're protected in the vehicle itself. But if it's that visibly impaired with whiteout, then chances are as soon as you get out of your vehicle, it's going to be hard to see you. Right, So other vehicles um, might not be able to detect you there. So definitely if you can, stay in your vehicle. Um, Many times when you buy or you have one of those winter safety roadside kits, they either come with like a a bright orange flag or a sign that you can put in your window that would say like call for help. So if you've got one of those and certainly put that in your vehicle to notify other uh, drivers that you're in distress or you need help. Running your vehicle, right? So turning the heater on occasionally to keep warm, but you don't want to run your vehicle all the time. We don't know how long you might be stranded there for. So they recommend, you know, maybe turning the vehicle off and running the engine for 10 minutes that allows some heat to get back in the vehicle, but you're not going to be draining um, all the fuel and everything else. But when you're running your vehicle, if you're stuck, as you said, maybe you're in a ditch, um, you've pulled off the road, is you got to be aware of that carbon monoxide poisoning piece. And so the exhaust of your vehicle needs to be kept clear and and, or you want to make sure you're getting some form of fresh air into the vehicle. So maybe cracking a window slightly to hopefully get some crosswinds um, and fresh air Um, when you're in the vehicle itself you want to as much as it sounds like you know you want to curl up into a ball and maybe stay warm is you do want to try to make sure you're keeping your your limbs and you're moving a little bit right so um, that you can still get that blood flow and the circulation to your body so you know you can do some stretches in your seat and that kind of stuff if you are with more than one person in the car and it is, looks like it's going to be a long time, maybe take turns in resting and sleeping, right? And then that way someone else can start the vehicle every 10 minutes. If you can, let the other person sleep. Um, If you're close, you could always huddle and get body warms from each other, right? To keep warm. Or you could get a little creative if you don't, if you didn't pack a blanket or have a winter survival kit that sometimes has those insulation blankets, is maybe you need to get things like, you know, the car mats or, you know, something to help wrap you up and keep you warm. And then another tip, to, to be aware of is sometimes if you're stuck, you might be tempted to get out, start shoveling um, or pushing the vehicle, you know, oftentimes times if you want to try to get it out of the ditch. But you also have to remember like that creates a lot of overexertion and puts a lot of strain on your heart. So if you're not used to that kind of the physical activity, you could be creating another hazard for yourself if you're overexerting to get yourself out of that situation. And Hopefully you've also prepared for your trip and you've had some water. Take small sips of the water regularly to help keep you hydrated. Um, and then that way, you know, when rescue and emergency services come, hopefully you'll be in good condition. And then the, uh, you'll be able to get your vehicle out and be back into safe driving conditions. So those are some tips I would say if uh, if you do find yourself stranded, maybe in your vehicle during a blizzard. But ideally, I think we want to make sure we can avoid driving if the conditions are much too hazardous. So
0: there's uh, there's a lot more to winter driving than just starting your vehicle and going. So for yeah. those uh, Canadians and Ontarians that are going to pr- be prepared to get out and uh, take their vehicles out in the winter, um, winter driving, safe winter driving, not just winter driving, safe winter driving is a skill. It doesn't just happen. You have emphasized that going through your four Ps very succinctly. It takes planning, preparation, patience. And practice, a practice of defensive and courteous driving. I think that's, that's, um, it's not just the practice of driving. It's practice being a defensive driver. You said that a couple of times, and I can't agree more. And a courteous driver, because everyone's going through the same thing you are. So let's let's be courteous out there and be kind. Michelle Roberts, thank you so much for joining us on the IHSA podcast and talking about winter driving. I have no one to blame except myself if I get caught in a situation because we've <laughs> gone through this podcast together. So if I don't leave myself enough time for preparation and planning and being patient and and practice, then shame on me. So thank you so much. This was a this was a great uh, great podcast and some amazing recommendations for our listeners. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, and then be sure to subscribe and like us on your podcast channel and visit us on IHSA for a wealth of health and safety resources and information. The IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes,
1: tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening.
0: Each year, about 5,000 IHSA supervisor logbooks are ordered for supervisors across Ontario. Why is the logbook so popular? Because it was developed by the industry for the industry. That's what makes it unique. IHSA thanks the members of the Labor Management Network and Advisory Councils who contributed their knowledge, experience, and time to the preparation of this supervisor logbook. Contact IHSA at 1-800-263-5024. That's 1-800-263-5024. 5024 or visit ihsa.ca. That's ihsa.ca.